And you can find anything online, right? Something's good, something's bad, something's silly, something's a waste of time. And recently, I saw a Forbes magazine top 25 oddest warning labels on products, right? For example, Nitol sleeping pills carries the label caution may cause drowsiness. You think? Well, hopefully it will, right? My favorite corresponds with potential stupidity and lawsuits, like the Rowenta Iron Company posts the warning, do not iron clothes while on your body. Or the Frankel Superman costume, warning, this costume does not enable flight. You see somebody jumping, thinking you're going to be flying. And my favorite caution, blowtorch may not be used as a hairdryer. I mean, silliness, right? I have a warning label about me that's true, but it's not very funny. Caution, do not travel with Father Richard, you may never get home. Because I have a travel curse, and you should know it if I ever ask you to go on a road trip or a flight. For example, I missed a flight once due to a jackknife semi across the exit. I've experienced emergency landings, terrible in-flight turbulence that complete with screaming people. I've experienced an airport bomb threat. I've missed connecting flights often, been delayed by storms, by missing flight attendants and pilots, lost luggage, been on planes with broken toilets, passengers being arrested off the flight, and so, so much more. I'm telling you, I'm cursed in this area. For example, this past week, I took a three-day getaway to Denver, Colorado with some very dear friends. Did you happen to see the news last week about Denver, Colorado? On Wednesday, when I was scheduled to fly home, the entire state experienced what meteorologists described as a bomb cyclone. It's the travel curse, I said to myself. I felt obligated to apologize to the entire state. A furious blizzard shrouded the state with snow and hurricane-forced winds. And I got a text from the airline that will remain nameless, United Airlines, that my flight had been canceled again. And in haste to rebook my flight, I realized something. I have no patience. I have no patience. Have you ever called United Airlines when they are experiencing a heavy load of calls due to a bomb cyclone? Probably not, but I did. And I was on the phone twice for a total of two and a half hours listening endlessly to Rhapsody in Blue. I felt like I was being brainwashed. I hate that song now. And eventually, an operator informed me that she could book me in the first available flight Sunday afternoon. That's today. Wait, I said. That's five days from now. I can't wait that long. I was livid, and I snapped at this poor woman. I was impatient because I have sins to forgive in confession, people to counsel, and masses to say. But my impatience didn't matter. Get at the end of the line, she essentially said. So after the Interstate 70 finally opened on Thursday, we drove 17 hours so that I could be here with you this morning. Affirmation, please. I was at long... Yeah. I did. Impatience, though, is a terrible thing and a great thing to root out during the season of Lent. Gone awry, it can lead to disastrous things. For example, as we heard in today's first reading today in Genesis 15, God makes a promise to Abram and Sarai. He told Abram, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Just so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed the Lord. 
And Abram waited and waited and waited and waited for God's will to come to pass. We don't know precisely how long he waited, but it was too long for him. And the same thing happens to many of us. That is, sometimes we wait for years to receive a sign from God or a word from him. We finally, something at mass sticks out to us or something in scripture sticks out to us or something uh, that we find in prayer at the adoration chapel. But then we get frustrated and impatience when God doesn't work on our timeline in life. And we're tempted to lose hope and we're tempted to become angry when God doesn't see it our way. He doesn't follow our plan for his blessings. So sometimes we take matters into our own hands and do things our way and we make a mess of things. Abram, at the prompting of his wife Sarai, did just that. Scripture reports that Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. She had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my maid. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to Sarai instead of God. And her maid conceived a son, Ishmael. And there remains strife between the sons of Ishmael, most notably those of the Muslim faith, who claim him a relative of Muhammad and the sons of Isaac until this day. Ishmael was not the child promised by God. And because Abraham wouldn't wait for the Lord, strife developed between Sarai and her maid Hagar. Because Abram couldn't wait, there was tension between Abram and his wife. And because Abram couldn't wait, there was strife between Ishmael and Isaac as well as their descendants. But God was faithful to Abram and Sarai, who become Abraham and Sarah later. At about 15 years later, yes, 15 years of praying and longing, when Abraham was 100 years old, God promises came to be and Isaac was born. When Abraham was 100 years old, The children of Abraham, including you and me, are truly more numerous than the stars in the sky or the sand on the shore of the sea. With all of this, even amidst of God's fidelity, things got worse. Abraham convinced, or Sarah, and convinced Abraham to cast Hagar and Ishmael out of his house, despite the fact that Ishmael was Abraham's flesh and blood. And if God had not taken care of Hagar and Ishmael, they would have died. Sinful impatience breeds more and more sinfulness and pain. But God was faithful. Ishmael was not the son of the promise, nor is he the fruit of Abraham's impatience. God is faithful because he deeply loves each of his children, no matter their lineage or if they were planned or if they were born of a crisis. How much strife could have been avoided had Abraham not taken matters into his own hands? How much strife do we cause ourselves when we do the same to God or to our brothers and sisters, demanding from God and others that things go our way? Our stories of impatience probably aren't as dramatic as Abraham's. But taking matters into our own hands in anger and in impatience can cause difficulty and strife. Often in our frustration, we give up on God. 
in being chosen at work for promotion or finding the right spouse or having children or in dealing with teenagers or receiving and uh, not receiving an answered prayer quickly enough. So we move on to something else that helps us forget our disappointment. Drugs for some people, sex or alcohol or eating or infidelity or spending. Perhaps our Lenten challenge is, is to take small steps to trust God more when he is too slow or in error by our standards. Perhaps as a first step, we simply need to ask God for the grace of greater trust. Nothing fancy, nothing profound, just ask. And maybe God wants to answer our prayers in stages. Maybe we are searching for immediate gratification in our requests. But maybe instead of focusing on what God isn't doing in your life, slow down and ask yourself, what are the big and small things that he is doing? This helps us to grow in patience and understanding of what God and those are for God and those around us. And finally, pay attention to what is stirring within you. Perhaps the beginning of God's answer to our prayers is a more receptive heart in us to actually hear the answer, which means sometimes he has to slow us down so that he can work in our hearts. So ask God for the grace and be attentive for the seemingly little things that God is doing in your life and wait for his will to unfold for you. Then we will be able to see God's work and resist the temptation to grasp our solutions instead of his will in our lives.